You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Praise God. Well, thank you for um, having us uh, again today. It's been a little while since we've been out here, but it's really been my pleasure to, um, to come out and um, uh, share today and also to bring uh, Linus and James. This is uh, their first time uh, uh, to come out to Coolerman. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, good. I always get excited when I can bring somebody new and, and uh, show them the... The, the church out here and get them to, to meet the people that come along. So, um, as I say, I'm always excited to do that. There were others that wanted to come, but um, some other things came up. So, um, it was just the three of us today, but I know there's a whole group of other people that like to come out and um, uh, worship, as, worship as well. But, um, yeah, thanks for having us. Um, just a, as, as we were, were worshipping, and thanks for the... the uh, the, the time of worship as well. Uh, another thing I was telling the guys is that you guys always have a great time of worship, have so much talent and uh, gifting, gifting when it comes to, uh, comes to the, the worship side of things and I just love coming out and, um, and worshipping our God with you. It's a, always a pleasure and, and, and something that I really look forward to. So, um, But yeah, just as we were, we were worshipping there before, um, God was showing me I saw that wave up there. There was a wave on the board, and I just got this picture. I remember many years ago watching this uh, documentary where this uh, uh, these two guys were looking for the perfect wave. They were surfies. I don't know why. I, I'm, I've got no interest in surfing, but this show just got my attention. And they were they were guys looking for the perfect wave, you know, um, and they were they were willing to. Uh, you know, go across the globe and go anywhere. Um, and along the way, they, they uh, you know, came across many uh, different forms of waves, uh, you know, waves that were, you know, that would buffet them, uh, waves that would come crushing down on them, uh, waves that weren't so smooth, um, um, all different types of waves. And they would, they would surf these waves. And... Uh, and I can remember they found this perfect wave, or what they called a perfect wave, after, after you know, going around the globe and searching and searching. Someone told them about this particular wave in uh, South Africa, where, where when this, uh, again, I don't know much about surfing, but when the waves come in, it was just a, the same size right across that, that where, the, where the wave was evident. It was the same height. It was smooth where it was sort of lifting up. And these guys, they, they, they uh, had to walk over these sand dunes uh, to, get to, to get to these, uh, what they call perfect waves. And they got there and um, uh, they went out on, into the surf and they were surfing these waves. And it was like when they were on these perfect waves, it was like, it was just so easy and they just stood there and they didn't have to balance, they didn't have to, you know, there was no, no buffeting or, or anything like that. As a matter of fact, it was too easy for them on this perfect wave. It was just too easy. They, they didn't enjoy it that much. And I think church is sometimes like that. You know, we, we, would, we think, God, give us the perfect wave, you know. Give us the perfect wave that we can ride on. But we don't learn much on a perfect wave. It's when the wind is buffeting us. It's when uh, the, 
the, the, the spray and the, uh, you know, the seas are rough and the, and, the, and the water's coming down on you. That's where you learn to balance. That's where you learn to stay upright. That's where you learn to stay on your board. Um, you know, and the, and the things that try and throw you off, uh, you, you eventually become good enough that you automatically do something opposite so you don't fall off the wave. And I just believe God is saying that to the, to the church here, that, I don't know, maybe, maybe the waves have, have been a little bit rough, uh, uh, but, but uh, I just really believe God wants you to know that he's been teaching you, he's been nurturing you, he's been uh, uh, causing you to grow, he's been strengthening you from a spiritual perspective, um, uh, for a plan and a purpose and something uh, that he wants to do here in uh, Kuhleman and also preparing you for something later. Uh, if we always rode a perfect wave, as soon as the winds got a bit rough, got a bit wild, would fall off. We wouldn't be able to do it. And I just, uh, just believe that's a, a message for you guys today, okay? Um, God is, is, is strengthening you. Because he, he, he needs you to be strong in the, uh, the calling and the plans and the purposes that he has for this place. How does that sound? All right? <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Um, take that one down. Today, I just want to talk about um, dedicated unity and disciplined, mind, and disciplined minds. Some of you that have been in CRC circles for a long time would probably recognize that as a, as a Leo Harris um, Quote, Leo Harris was, for those of you, who knows who Leo Harris is, by the way? One, two. <laughs> Leo Harris was the founder of the CRC Church in Australia. There you go. He doesn't, if, uh, if you read some of his books, um, you hear the name Leo Harris and you think, oh, who's that guy? He just sounds like a regular guy. But he was absolutely, um, you read some of his books and it's, and it's just his uh, depth of insight and understanding and revelation um, has gone around the globe and uh, this is something that he was big on and uh, unity is is so important in a local church dedicated teamwork when we speak of unity in the new testament it is more than a passive effort which is something i mentioned in our church this morning it's more than a passive effort such as removing fr friction avoiding disagreements among people although this is very important uh, nonetheless the kind of unity in the New Testament uh, portray, that the New Testament portrays is less like the passive one I just described and more like aggressive teamwork. The type of aggressive teamwork calls for a threefold dedication. And I just want to mention these three things. Firstly, so, so for us to have this, this uh, unity amongst ourselves and for us to be disciplined, there are three things we need. The first one is uh, our, our dedication to the Lord and our personal walk. The second one is to the vision and purpose. That's the direction the church is going in. And thirdly, uh, to each team, each team member. There's a big effort required to keep this intact. Um, I'll just pray there just before I go any further. So thank you, Lord. Father God, I just thank you today. Lord, just as we uh, come together in this place, Father, Lord, to come around your word, we just thank you, Lord, that as we do this, just by your Holy Spirit, Father God, Lord, speak to our hearts, 
Lord, open our eyes, guide us and lead us, Father God. Uh, Lord, that we may be, that we might draw closer to you, Father God. Lord, that we might uh, understand your, your will and your purpose and your plans uh, for us as individuals and for us as a church, Father God. Lord, that we might move together in unity, dedicated to your purpose, Father God. Uh, Lord, that we may see um, your will be done and your kingdom come here in Coolum. And we just praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. So there are three things. There's the, there's, uh, it's for our, our, I guess our responsibility is firstly to God, and that's our personal walk. The second is the vision and purpose of the church. And thirdly, to each team member. We, we need to um, have a good relationship with each team member and it takes a big effort or a big effort is required uh, to keep this intact. Unity can be prayed for or hoped for but will never be successful unless it is wholeheartedly worked for and strived for by every member. Um, the results it produces will be an abundant reward uh, for all the effort and labour involved. And that's probably out of those three things that I mentioned, they're all important. They're all uh, something that we need to grasp a hold of. Uh, but that third one is, uh, you know, uh, thirdly to each team member, a big effort is required there to keep this intact. Um, and it's each member's responsibility to see that happen. It's each member responsibility in the church to uh you know to get on with the with the person beside them with the person that they're that they're in the church with um you know and the results it produces will be an abundant reward for all the effort and labor involved i heard a maybe i shouldn't say that i heard i heard a pastor was it a pastor? No, I won't say that. I won't say that one just today. I'll let that one go. Um, I haven't got it written there. I just thought about something. So, so it, was, it might have been the devil telling me to say that. So, <laughs> so I won't say it. Uh, the protection it offers. Uh, Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no counsel, guidance or advice, the people fall. But in the multitude of counsellors, there is safety, you know. Together, as we move together as one, as we unify together, as we seek each other's counsel, it said there's a, you know, that's where the blessing is. We avoid a fall if we come together. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Um, The subtle tactics of the enemy is to divide and conquer. They are as old as Satan himself. Some reasons for run-of-the-mill, everyday disunity uh, are things, and th- this might seem petty, but, it, but churches have split over it, uh, furnishings in a church, the, the colour of the paint on the walls, the colour of the, how soft the chairs are, or what colour the carpet is. <laughs> Do you realise that that does happen? Churches actually split over those things. It's crazy, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, um, as I say, the, he, the devil's been around for many years and he's, uh, 
he knows how to divide and conquer. And we need to be careful. We really need to be careful because he knows, um, he knows how to do it. Uh, so run-of-the-mill, everyday disunity, furnishings in the church, politics. Politics can cause friction too, can't they? Cause big trouble, uh, especially around voting time. Uh, you know that, and they shouldn't. Within the church, they shouldn't. It shouldn't cause problems. It shouldn't cause uh, division and friction. Those of us that have been around for a while understand what I'm saying. Maybe the younger ones don't quite get it, but remember what I'm saying today, because <laughs> you'll come across it. And just remember, the enemy will try and use a a, a subject such as politics, to, to, to split a church. Um, personality. Um, you know, there are... The reason we are together today um, is not because our personalities are all the same and we really like... Uh, I guess if it wasn't for... Okay, let me put it this way. If it wasn't for the church, we might not know each other. Because our interests are different. The, the reason we're here together today is because Jesus is the common denominator, isn't he? But apart from that, there might not be a lot of similarities. So someone's personality might rub you up the wrong way. You know? Um, so personalities can get in the way. But we need to push through this. We need to push through personalities. We need to push through differences of opinions you know if we were riding the perfect wave all the time we wouldn't have to we could just sit there and but that's just not life is it there's not many perfect waves around I've 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 said a couple of times <laughs> you know you, you how you're going to spend eternity in heaven is there someone you can think of that I hope they're not standing next to me when I get to heaven? Is that, is that bad saying that? Oh, I'm just trying to make a point that not everyone's personality suits your own. But that's the makeup of the church. That's the reality of the church. That's who God has, God has brought us together. He has called us together. And it's a, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a great call on the church. There's a great responsibility. God knew what he was doing. He's done, he's done so much in, uh, in uh, you know, providing the, the, the way for us to salvation. And we know that it's by his grace that we're saved. We know that it's through Jesus that we're saved. We know that it's, we're washed in the blood of Christ. We're, you know, it's, 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 it's through that means that we're saved. But then he says, okay, now I've brought you together. Now I've got you saved. Now you have eternal life and salvation and you're a part of the church. Now it's up to you. So when you're standing beside that person that has a personality that just rubs you up the wrong way, hey, you've got to find a way to get on with that person. You've got to find a way to, to move forward with that person because we have a plan and a purpose that's greater than the fact that you don't like the, that person's personality. Because do you know why it's important that, that you try and get along with that person? Because I can guarantee you, 
that there's someone in the church that your personality rubs up the wrong way. You say, nah, not me. I'll get on with everybody. Is that right? Especially when you're younger, you think, no, I'm, I'm really good. I get, on with, I get on with everybody. But the older you get, you realise, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> and there's some things I do and there's some things I say that, you know, causes other people to be unhappy. But we need to know and understand that no one is perfect, that uh, God has brought us together and he said, you make every effort, you know, to, uh, that, you know, to be, uh, to keep the unity of peace with everyone else. And the very words that Paul used in Ephesians there, you make every effort. You make every effort. I want to read that scripture. Ephesians chapter 2. I can't find that scripture right now, but if someone remembers which one it is, I think it's Ephesians chapter 2, something. But, but God is telling the words that Paul uses there, he goes, make every effort. And to put effort into something is to, is to work at it. You know, to, 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 to really work at it. Um, you know, I've got personality um, and even doctrine. You know, doctrine, the way you view uh, doctrine. We had a Bible study uh, the other night with, with the half a dozen, seven or eight guys. And, we, and a, there was a particular subject that came up. And we all had a little bit of a different slant on it. And... Um, uh, you know, we had a, we had a robust discussion, um, uh, but we really need to allow God to, allow God to uh, speak to us in those, in, those, in those areas because, again, doctrine can be a huge thing that, that divides and, and, and endeavours to pull a church down. And I've got there also hygiene. Hygiene can be a can be an issue too, can't it? But again, we know we need to, we need to work our way through that as well. But again, it can be a big thing. Um, the church is so so. Uh, the subtle tactics of the enemy is to divide and conquer, and they are old as Satan himself. The church is so. The first. The first thing I've said there is, is uh, how sometimes the enemy uses these tactics to divide and conquer, um, uh, you know, through furnishings, through politics, through hygiene, personality, doctrine, and, and the list goes on. Um, but but we, need to, we need to work through these things. We need to be determined to work through these things. The church is, or the church is lacking priority in your life. People get carried off into extreme teachings or the church might lack a sense of vision and purpose. How many worthy purposes fail or are greatly hindered through lack of dedicated unity? Um, but when God's people are aggressively unified toward a vision and purpose, the devil's efforts are significantly weakened and there is a greater sense of safety uh, there's protection for the church and the kingdom is advanced. Uh, the power it releases. When we consider the following scripture and meditate on the depth of, of, uh, 
of untapped power and boundless possibilities that could be unleashed into our community, only limited by our deepest desire to dare to believe God together, for change to break, the captive to be set free, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the sick to be healed, the dead raised. You know, I'm saying that dedicated unity releases power into our community. You know, if we're too busy trying to get on with with one another that we're, you know, that we're pulling each other down, the community misses out. The community suffers that, we're, that God has placed. You know, God would, would much prefer us to, to, to get up, to, you know, make that effort to get along so that, and I'll just read that again. When we consider the following script, which is um, Matthew 18, 19, 20, When we consider the following scripture and meditate on the depth of untapped power and boundless possibilities that could be unleashed into our community, only limited by our deepest desire to dare to believe God together, for chains to break. I know there are chains in the Kuhleman community that need breaking. There are captives to be set free. For the blind to see, the lame to walk, the sick to be healed, and even the dead to be raised. You know, and I don't know about yours, but my heart rejoices when I think about that. And, it's, and I think to myself, it's worth uh, the sacrifice that it takes to get along with your brothers and sisters. And it, I'm sure that everyone gets along just fine here. I, I, I didn't come out purposely for, for, for anything today, but... It's, it's important that we're aware of this because th- there is such a high calling on the church. God has placed a high calling on the church. The local church is the hope of the world. No, no one else has that, has that label. No one else, no one, God hasn't placed that responsibility on any other organisation. But, but he has placed it on us, the local church, the hope of the world. You know, the, the rest of the world and all of its organisations without the church and the message of the cross are going to hell. And, and he's given us that responsibility. Therefore, we need to be aware that, you know, that, that it's, it's together that God has called us to be a witness in our community and to, and to do these things. Um, Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. These scriptures here point to the simplest form of the local church. Um, And the book of Acts draws our attention to a fundamental feature uh, of their dedicated unity and, and we, we read through the scriptures in the book of Acts especially the where the church first started out and it's and there's a it's obvious of the unity that they have there um, Acts one fourteen says there's quite a few here Steve so Acts one fourteen says um, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers so that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, so they were together in one accord. Uh, Acts 2.1, the, the, the 
pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the church. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Uh, Acts 2.46, so continuing uh, daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Uh, Acts 4.24, so when they heard uh, that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in it. So we're just looking at the the unity and the fact that they were in one accord in all these scriptures and what God was doing in amongst them. Um, and in sharing all things. Now the, uh, Acts 4.32 says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had things in common. So they, they, they looked out for each other. The early church fathers had a saying where three are gathered... There is a church. But we might say this, that where three or more of us are gathered in dedicated unity, we have a very powerful church with unlimited possibilities. And it's something that we need to to decide to do as a local church determines to do this. So it's not just a church, but when two or three are gathered in, in his name in unity, in dedicated unity, Uh, We have a very powerful church with unlimited possibilities. Can we... Or or, or as a local church, uh, here in Kooliman, in one accord, you know, we need to... uh, uh, We need to seek God in that that area. We need to uh, search out and be... not, Not passive about it, but we need to be aggressive about being in dedicated unity. Um, And I believe that as we do that, as we pull together, as we unite together, as we, not only will it change or, or, you know, create that church that is a, a powerful church, but I believe as there are enough people in this room that as we, or as you pull together, that, that there's enough power in that to change the atmosphere of a town. To change the, you know, to change what's happening in your town. To change the, you know, the problems that you have in your town. You know, there's, the scripture says, um, again in Ephesians, uh, in chapter 6, you know, that we, we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. You know, and we need, to, we need to be ready for those things. And I believe that for us to see those powers and principalities, they know what they're doing in Gulliman. They know uh, uh, what their task is. And they know that the havoc they need to, to wreak in a town to, to cause chaos. But we as a church, you know, we have authority over these things. God has given us authority over these things. God has uh, uh, given us, you know, we, we walk in that same authority that Jesus has. And as I said, as we together uh, decide to, to walk in that unity in one accord, I believe that we have the power to change the atmosphere over a town, to break strongholds, to set the captive free as we move together in one accord.
And uh, revival starts in the heart of a believer. That's where it starts, in, a, in the heart of a believer. Uh, Psalm 139, uh, 23 and 24. Says, and this is a, such a sincere prayer that, again, you know, we need to be seeking God in the same way. Verse 23 says, search me, O God, <clears throat> and know my heart. But David is sincerely saying to God here, search me, you know, and know my heart, God. You, you know my heart, search me. Try me and know, uh, you know, my anxieties, my worries and concerns, my apprehensions, and see if there is anything wicked See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, David here in Psalm 39 was just crying out to God, search me, O God. And as I said, you know, revival starts in the heart of every believer as we sincerely, you know, come before God and seek his face. You know, that, that prayer is, there's, there's such a lot of humility in that prayer. There's a, there's, there's a deep humility in, uh, in what David is, uh, is saying there. So we need a deeper understanding, you know, of the, of the love of Christ. Paul, uh, in um, continually prayed this prayer that the God of our Lord uh, Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and that in exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Paul prayed that we would continue to get a deeper revelation of, of, of what Jesus did for us, you know, and the, and the authority that we have. And just this scripture here in uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to his riches to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God, to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think 
according to that power that is at work in us. To him, uh, sorry, yes, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all generations. You know, there's some prayers there that, that Paul prayed that he really wanted us to get a revelation of. That was that prayer to the Ephesians. I'm just trying to find this scripture. Uh, sorry, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a, worthy, a wor- sorry, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And here again, uh, Paul is talking about unity. Um, and you'll probably hear Annette talking about that first three chapters of Ephesians is all about what Christ did for us. And then when we get to chapter 4, God passes the ball to us and he says, now this is your responsibility. This is your responsibility. I have given you everything you need from a spiritual perspective. Every blessing you need from a spiritual perspective. And then Paul says here, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. That's, That's a... That's a big ask, isn't it? Be completely humble and gentle. So we need to really work at that. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, and that word bearing with one another. Again, you know, Paul has seen all the blessings that we have in Christ. Now we're saying for that to work properly, you guys need to get along. You guys need to respect each other. You guys need to love each other. And you guys need to make every effort to see that this happens. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, and I looked up that word bearing, and you know how I mentioned before, you know, you might not like someone's personality. You might, you know, someone's hygiene might be, or or someone's politics you might like, or that there, Paul is saying, you know, make every effort bearing with one another. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I looked up that word bearing. And that bearing is like, you know, where you get a... Maybe they'll build a bridge. You know, the, the, the engineers will build a bridge. And they put, you know, the first things they put across are the main beams. And those beams, they bear all the weight of the main structure of the bridge, the bridge. They'll, they'll bear all the weight. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying there, you know, bearing with one another. Uh, and, and, and that can be translated to putting up with one another, putting up with someone's personality, putting up with someone's politics, putting up with someone's whatever else I said there and whatever it might be. But this isn't, the, these words that Paul is using here, they're not passive. We need to be aggressive in, in, in unifying and moving together as a church. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. So again, that's not passive. That's a, that takes effort on our part. That takes strength on our part. That takes determination on our part to keep the unity of Spirit through the bond of peace. And, and, you know, the reason, I'll finish up here, 
But the reason Paul is saying this is because it's important. You know, that, that, that message of Christ, the message of the gospel, the fact that the local church is the hope of the world, is it's important for the town of, of Kuluman or whatever town that you live in, it's important for that town, uh, you know, that, that the church uh, is a powerful church, that the church walks in unity, that the church, you know, moves in the gifts of the Spirit, that the church uh, does the things that Jesus said it could do. Because, you know, th th there is no hope outside of the local church. There is no hope. There might be for a, sh a short while, but, uh, you know, the hope that, that, that we offer through Jesus Christ uh, is something that we've been commanded to do. And it's important that we move together in dedicated unity, in one accord, um, so that the, the power of God can work through us and that we can change the spiritual atmosphere in a town. Amen? We can do that together as one, as we are determined to make every effort to get along with one another. Thank you, Lord. I'll just close in prayer there. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I just want to... Thank you today for your word, Lord, uh, Father, and just the importance of unity, Father God. Uh, Lord, and the fact that uh, unity is, um, is something that we need to work at. Paul said we need to make every effort, that we need to bear one another's burdens, that we, uh, that, that, that we need to uh, just make that every effort to get along with one another, Father God. Lord, that we can have a church that moves in one accord, that is unified. Uh, Lord, a church uh, just like the, uh, the, the, the book of Acts, Father God. Lord, where everyone, when they met, they were in one accord. They were uh, together, Father God. Um, uh, Lord, and, and uh, many miracles uh, were uh, evident amongst those churches, Father God. Lord, as we read the, uh, uh, as we read the uh, 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 pages of the book of Acts, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that we are that same church, Father God. Lord, uh, we have been given the same commands, Lord. Uh, you have given us the same directions, Father God. And Lord, we can be that powerful church, uh, just like the churches or the church in Acts chapter 2, Father God. So we just uh, praise you and thank you for that, God, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, Lord, that you search our hearts, Father God. Lord, we just, we come before you today and we ask you that, Lord. And Father God, we want that to be our constant prayer. For you to search our hearts, Father God, Lord, and remove anything that would be an obstacle, anything that would get in the way of your church uh, being uh, in, in unity, in one accord, uh, Lord, and uh, having a, a positive effect in a community, Father God, and changing the spiritual atmosphere. We just, uh, we just praise you and we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.